keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everybody, to Wrestle Roast. I am your host, Dan St. Germain. I am here with Robert Karpolis and returning wrestling journalist hero, Nick Hausman. You remember him from our last uh, Scrum podcast. Well, we're bringing him for the net. We're bringing him for Return of the Second Scrum or Return of the Scrum. That's a better way to say it. Before I go to that um just next week we're going to be talking about survivor series on the main show and then december 9th we got the roast of jeff jarrett december 23rd the roast of mr t uh we're off this week on patreon but then we we're going to do brian gewertz there's just one problem which i just finished great book in your house five ms santa's little helper and the roast of barry horowitz uh me and robert are going to work out when our december wrestle roasts christmas party will be that will be uh the wrestle roasts awards so it's gonna be a lot of it's gonna be a lot of fun. But Nick Hausman, thank you for coming back, brother. Thank you for having me, Dan. I you know, people really seem to like me on your show. I had somebody at uh Full Gear tell me uh specifically that they listened to my last appearance on the podcast with you and they really enjoyed it. So we oh, found an audience. Great. I'm glad Kenny Omega enjoyed what he heard. Yeah, uh, it definitely wasn't Kenny. It was Ace Steel no, and a fake mustache. No, it was it was it was well, maybe it was Ace Steel and a mustache. I thought it was Kenny. Omega came right up to me and he said, I'm a big fan of your work, Nick House, but I love Russell Rose. It was incredible, <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, you know, I think if Mike never comes back to the podcast, there's a good chance uh Ace Steel is gonna be our fourth co-host. So just get ready. <laughs> that would bite. Oh, come on, Robert. Robert, you were in New York all weekend. How was it? It was exceedingly Jewish, and I was very, very happy. Uh, I had pastrami, I had bagels, I went to a wedding. Uh, it was, it was wonderful, uh, it, and I watched absolutely no wrestling while I was there. I had to turn off the group text, uh, so I came back to like two hundred and fifty messages and watched <laughs> Full Gear, completely untainted. And uh, you can, you can hear that on the Patreon. I broke down full gear and raw this week. It, this turned into a plug. I didn't even mean for it to be a plug. Well, and Scott it turned into also, a plug. $5 tier, you get me and Scott on full gear. Uh, $10 tier, you get Robert on full gear. Oh, no, this one's on the $5 one. We did it oh. special for this one. Made it's Thanksgiving, special. Dan. We're being generous. We're being giving. Uh, and uh, Remember what Tatanka went through, everyone. Um, let's, uh, let's get to the show. Uh, Mr. Hausman, uh, first off, I want to applaud you on asking being one of the few guys there who asked real questions at the press conference. Um, I'm not saying that, no, look, you need some fluff in there too. Cause you know, without that, then it just becomes like an inquisition. But um, the vibe was very di- from an on, from somebody, you know, a fly on the wall. The vibe was very different in the sense that all the wrestlers came off really well, I thought. And Nick, 
looked not Nick Tony Jesus Christ I was thinking of the other Nikon uh Tony you know definitely has you know he's doing the jujitsu thing with with questions and he's uh he's a little more guarded than he used to be that's for sure but um what were your experiences there what was it did feel like the press conference kind of just ended abruptly but um maybe it was the same time and we're just and I'm just reading into that but uh what was what was the process there what was do you feel like you got a straight answer to your question and, and can you repeat that question again Sure. Yes and no. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, the scrum was definitely, it felt more uh, refined, right? Like I thought Tony was giving more concise answers than usual. He didn't kind of veer off and start promoting a triple threat for dynamite that had nothing to do with anything we were talking about. Um, and like, you know, uh, and just in general, yeah, I, I thought that the the talent called professional, there were more people I feel like in the room than usual uh, watching the scrums. Tony Schiavone was there. Uh, he's never kind of just watched the scrums. He was like observing or whatever. There right. were a couple other people I noticed that were just like watching in that usually don't watch the scrum. So I definitely thought there were more people there. Um, but the question I asked Tony this time uh, was uh, about the Cabana booking in the Jericho match. Uh, I wanted to know uh, why he booked. Uh, well, first of all, uh, well, I, I forget exactly which one I asked first, but it was what was the what was the reasoning behind booking Jericho and what is your response to uh, all of the skepticism that came out of that match about how uh, Cabana had somehow been ostracized and that Punk was responsible for that. And can you once and for all, please clarify whether CM Punk uh, ever made that request or requested that uh, Cabana be removed from the AEW locker room. So it was like, it was like a multi-headed question, right? I just kind of came at yeah. it trying to get as much as I could on the situation um, he bluntly started by saying, no, CM Punk never made that request or requests, which is what Punk has been saying. And of course, you know, Dave Meltzer came out, uh, I think it was like a couple earlier this week or something and said that despite the fact that Tony and Punk have both come out and said, this didn't happen. Some people still want to believe otherwise. What, we can get into that in just a second. The other part of the question was about Cabana and Jericho. And I, like many, am skeptical of, of kind of what Tony said there, where he was like, well, Cabana made a lot of sense. He's a big Ring of Honor star. He's undefeated in ROH, you know, without really kind of wanting to address the fact that the rules were changed. He's not a world champion like the other competitors. Ring of Honor's record has never been used to decide opponents or anything like that. So anyway, it, it he gave the answer he wanted to. He obviously did not want to make it look like there was anything to Cabana's booking being malicious towards Punk. So I think, yes, I got a definitive answer on one half of my question. The other half is is kind of what it was, you know. First of all, Nick, yeah. Colt Cabana deserved that. He won two matches on, I'm guessing, Dark Elevation, which happened in front of literally tens of people. And the audiences were clamoring for a former Ring of Honor World Tag Team champion uh, to get this shot at Chris Jericho. It's purely coincidental and happenstance that any of this happened. And then the other half of this, which I think is really fantastic, uh, not to get too lawyerly on this, but the answer was either, yes, we kept Colt Cabana off TV this whole time because CM Punk told me, or I've had this guy on my roster who is incredibly talented, who is beloved by the locker room, and I just haven't used him because I'm not good at managing my own roster. And that's the option he chose, which I think is even funnier because there is no middle ground answer. It's not like 
you know, they were kind of using Colt. Like, Colt just vanished. He wasn't part of Dark Order. He wasn't being used as a wrestler. He wasn't being used backstage. And the most logical answer is, well, CM Punk comes in and says, I don't want this guy here. So it makes sense. You don't put that guy there. The other answer is, oh, I just can't manage the people that I have. And I'm spending all this money. I know we haven't gotten to the roast of Tony Khan yet. It's going to happen later. It's just, again, coincidental. Yeah, and I don't know that it's a, a management of the roster type deal because, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, is, is it something where Tony maybe just isn't as – maybe he's just not as high on Cabana as, as other people are? Because if you look at what Cabana was doing before Punk came along, you know, it really wasn't anything to write home about. I mean, I know? think that, that is a fair point. You know, it's it's like, you know, he was the NWA champion, I think, for a little bit. And, you know, for the most part, he had – He'd kind of like adopted, you know, he was a half media person, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't the same, you know, I don't think he was like full Hannibal or anything, but it wasn't, it, it, you're right. It wasn't like, there's never been a time for Colt Cabana, like, you know, 2005, 2006, as far as, as far as booking is concerned. So yeah. And, and, and again, you know, I, like, I, I think it was the last time I was on the show talking about how much guys like the young bucks feel they owe Colt Cabana their career, right? If they're right. going to be making a ton of money and changing the world, and you know, Cabana did that with them, I see that very much as a pay it forward. That does not give us an indication of what Tony Khan's relationship like is with Colt Cabana, right? Because you know, the other the other third the third option, the third window here to what you're you're talking about, Robert, is um, you know, Tony Khan doesn't want to say I wasn't pushing Cabana at the time just because you know, I think it's great he's here, but I don't really want to be using him. And the fact Punk's around is just kind of coincidental, you know, and people maybe are interpreting what I'm doing uh, as being something that, you know, what had anything to do with Punk. And, you know, I, I think that's a very plausible third option as well, kind of considering. It is until oh. you realize that early on in that process after Punk had come, there were stories involving the Dark Order on television where they were all prominently being featured a lot with a lot of stuff with Hangman and Colt was just not there when he was there a few weeks prior. And you've you've released a lot of the the members of the Dark Order. They've they've been sent out into the wild. Uh, they're 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 you know thriving in impact or wherever the hell they are. And just Colt was just completely missing. Like it wasn't like there was an explanation. He wasn't part of any of the videos. He wasn't considered part of Dark Order anymore. That was the thing that was most glaring. It's not like Colt was on his own and they just weren't using him on TV like he's Miro. It was weird because you were telling stories about Dark Order and Dark Order as the trios and Dark Order with Hangman. And Colt was just, I mean, he was completely gone where it felt egregious. And it, maybe it has nothing to do with Punk or Tony, right? Maybe Cabana, you know, saw Punk was coming in and Punk was making friends and he just didn't like to be in that space. I mean, he's talked openly about his mental health struggles that I, you know, I'll take him at his word he's he's struggled with and that's terrible. And for what it's worth, I'm sorry I called him an asshole on the last show that I'm not a name caller. And, you know, that really was not something I'm uh, proud of. So apologize for that. But, um, you know, Cabana may have very well um said you know this situation's too hard for me i would like to not be around it because and then again and once again it, it results in punk not making a move but a move being made around him that's interpreted as his move i'm not you know i'm just kind of floating that out there because if cabana did just not want to be around the situation because again punk comes in a lot of people like punk and he's got his own locker room and some people are hanging out with punk and some people aren't and whatever it may be 
you know, I, I've lived through that high school drama and theater, you know, sometimes people just don't want to be around it. So I and but if that's the case, that has also not been clarified, you know. So again, I, I, I saw Kenny Omega's comment earlier in Sports Illustrated telling everybody to just let it go and move on. Um I just I, I think there's still just a lot of unanswered questions that that people are gonna kind of keep asking about for for a while until I think we're probably going to see something break in some form or fashion to shed some more light on. Has there been any talk from you, uh, from you on, on punk side or anything of that nature? I really talked to punk's camp now. You know, I, I kind of did the big thing and then it became pretty apparent to me that like, you know, punk's not a politics press guy, right? Like, you know, people around him know that they don't want to be the guy who's or per girl or whoever it may be. That's, saying something and then you know punk finds out about it or, or whatever it may be right mm-hmm. and so and and he notoriously doesn't talk to the press so you know i think what we got is what we're what we're gonna get for the time being until you know you know we'll see what happens when heel season two comes out he's got to go do those press rounds you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so being being back there at the at the scrum what was the vibe at this was it did it feel tenser than normal relaxed was it high fives all around uh did, did you notice anything different having been at, at the, the scrums before and then this one, which was, based on our show last week, the most anticipated scrum in the history of professional wrestling? I didn't notice a, a difference, really, other than the fact that, like I said, Shivani was there and there were some more people there watching in. Yeah, so there was there was fresh coffee is what you're saying. There was fresh coffee there. He had the little green apron on. He put did the little uh, tea leaf thing on the top and the foam. <laughs> But uh, no, uh, there were more people watching in. I guess that kind of set a tone of like, this is, we're taking this more seriously now. Um, I uh, will say, uh, I, I, it, the dynamic between Tony and I has definitely become noticeable, right? And I really only kind of get like one question. Um, and because I'm getting paid to, a people are paying to fly me there put me in a hotel and i have to you know make sure everybody is getting their money's worth with the 60 seconds i get you know um i'm hopeful to be getting more time with tony in between shows going forward um so that you know we're not all waiting for that one big nick hausman question you know and i think that i i definitely felt in the room even asking it for the first time kind of like you know this is getting just getting, you know, you're getting to the root of something really big here right now, and it's not something that should probably be a big distraction from their pay per views or need to be crammed into one second or one question. And so, uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm optimistic that, um, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see a, a change in that because I like Tony. I think Tony likes me. We're both Chicago guys. He's got a house like a mile from me, you know. So uh, that that I will got see. a house a mile from everybody, but yeah. He does. He's, you know, he's Berkshire. I think he is Berkshire Hathaway. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, I, you know, I, it's, de- it's definitely become noticeable and I'm not there to distract or take attention or anything like that. I'm just trying to do my job. And so uh, I'm hopeful that, you know, we don't kind of have that. What's that one big thing. Hausman's going to ask type situations going forward. I, I don't think anybody. Needs well, I think to be the easy fix for that is like having, being more open, like this, nobody would have given a shit about this scrum. If, you know, Tony wasn't playing like poker during every single interview that came before this, you know, like, and who knows? I mean, you know, like, I mean, how has WWE been with you as far as access lately and for everything that's coming up? 
You know, it's funny. You, you, it's a great. It's a very well timed question, Dan, because they're doing a press conference after Survivor Series this Saturday night, and yeah. I had earlier this year asked PR, uh, "It's going to be the weekend after Thanksgiving. I don't see myself flying out on Thursday night or Friday morning to make right. a media scrum on Friday." And they didn't really know, so I didn't book any travel. So when they announced that press conference, I texted somebody there. I didn't even email. I texted. I was like, "What?" I was like, well, can if I can get in, can I fly in like on Saturday and out on Sunday? And it seemed like there was maybe kind of a window to make it happen, but you know, it would have ju- made too many things juggle. So, uh, uh, they are going to keep doing those. It sounds like, which is good. Um, so uh, hopefully going forward, because I already usually go to the big shows anyway. Uh, I'll get to be able to do press time with with Hunter on a regular basis, which is great. Uh, we'll have Shawn Michaels regularly. Uh, for pre and post takeover calls, which is great. Um, you know, I still get to talk to talented events. I'd like to talk to talent more in between events, but you know, again, you play that game the best you can. Well, I thought you said talk to Vince. I was like, I don't think that's happening, brother. No, I can't get Vince. You know, but they're you know, again, like I think I think a lot of people uh think there's like he's in the compound Bin Laden was in, right? <laughs> yeah. I think that people really think there's like this big contentious relationship between AEW, WWE and the press. And I I mean, I think it, to a degree, there's some of that. And I don't want to get into the history of really came where it came from because it's super nerdy. But uh, yeah, that doesn't appeal to our audience at all. Oh, uh, well, OK. If you want to know, <laughs> here's what happened. Here's what here's where the falling out became, between the press and pro wrestling came. Are you ready? So yeah. pre WWE magazine. Pro wrestling companies loved the press. You know, they'd go to Aptor, they'd go to Napolitano, they'd go to whoever to try to get in the, the their photos in the magazine to talk to somebody and let's get something going. As soon as Vince launched the WWE magazine, he realized we're not going to send that traffic out to you guys anymore. I can own that too. And so they stopped letting photographers come ringside. They stopped letting their talent become available. And that's where that came from. And as the medium has grown um that mentality that wwe magazine mentality is like a relic right like it's a 30 year old decision that really doesn't kind of make sense in today's landscape when you see the way that the press is engaged in literally every other medium you know so uh i i i hope that that's a change that's going on right now i kind of i think i'm feeling that change it's certainly changed a lot in the almost decade i've been covering the business so, but that's for all of you nerds out there. That's why that dynamic has been there. And, you know, it's weird. So there you go. Well, you know, in the past week, we, we've heard, you know, Steve Austin, Logan Paul, John Cena. They're all rumored for WrestleMania. And and Punk's name is keep keeps coming up. Um, do you, from, do you have any idea contractually if that would even be possible for him to do that? Um, has, are they still in negotiations as far as a buyout? Is there any chance for him to come back? Are you just kind of in the dark on all this? I mean, like I said, my my gut, the guy didn't sound like a guy who 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 wanted to stick around from what I was hearing, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I haven't heard anything that would make me think he's staying. And I think based off the comments that guys like Jericho and Omega are making, it seems even more obvious that this guy is not coming back. Or well, what it's kind of interesting because you're you you our podcast you came out and then. Like almost that day or around that day, it was all the stuff about Jericho calling punk a cancer and all that kind right. of. I don't think that was because of us, but it does. It does seem like there's a mad dash for everyone to get their own story out there. 
Oh, it's great. Well, and that's the thing is that's why the elite would prefer this narrative stop now, right? They're winning the narrative game right now. They had the crowd chanting FCM Punk at the last show, right? Yeah. It'll probably be different, you know, at Dynamite. But, uh, you know, I I, uh, I I think that's why Kenny Omega is saying stop talking. Let this go. Because if more people ask questions here, we don't know what we're going to find out. Maybe it'll be great for the elite. Maybe it won't be great for the elite, you know? But mm-hmm. like, uh, I I think that the the hopefulness that this is something that people stop talking about and goes away. I mean, dude, and like we're hours away from from Dynamite in Chicago as we record this. I have no idea what's going to happen at that show. These people are loyal to CM Punk. They're in Chicago. Guess, Holy they're, shit! They're in Chicago tonight. The Elite is doing a trios match against Death Triangle tonight. Hours from now in Chicago. Um, well, there are some people that I, I love Colt Cabana in Chicago. I don't think people are seeing this as a Colt versus Punk thing at the moment. I think they see this as a Punk versus Elite thing more so. And Chicago, I mean, dude, I AEW shows, you talk about the vibe at the scrums. Let's talk about the vibe at AEW shows. AEW shows are nuts. Like, the fans at AEW shows are like intense very very intense there have been fights at at least the last two shows i've been to where people new york city one was pretty tame like we were joking around and i mean there was one guy that was actually now that i think (laughs) (laughs) you're even like well you know actually there there was that one he's got mike at a nice time we were just making fun of everything in the bag so but they're they're very rabid they're like you know there was this drunk guy that snuck into the media section and like was weird to Denise Salcedo and had to be ejected. And I mean, you know, I'm very interested to see like how crazy these punk fans get tonight in Chicago. And and, like, that's the thing is how is this story going to go away when everybody's literally screaming about it? Well, that's the challenge they're going to run into because Chicago is a great wrestling city. Uh, It's an extremely passionate fan base. When, when we ran it for MLW, the fans were like, it was, the best environment you wanted to be in. But now every time you go to Chicago, punk is the elephant in the room. It's like going back to Montreal and yeah. getting those chants. You're not going to, they're not going to stop. And I think back to when punk left after the rumble and he just vanished, the CM punk chants were pervasive for a long time. So I know Kenny wants people to stop talking about it until there's a definitive end. It's going to still be out there. This is probably one of the five biggest wrestling stories of the past 30 years. And because there is no finish of what happened with Punk, it's not like Punk has been bought out and now he's in WWE or he's doing something else. Uh, there's still questions that are going on. And it's great that the Elite came back for that pay-per-view. And, you know, they're going to do this best of seven series because it prevents Tony from actually having to book anything with them for a while. But I mean, it's, it's going to be a bad move because you get to see if there's it's fine, but it's going to be curious to see what happens when these guys are actually plugged into real stories going forward and how long this hangs over it. And they were running Chicago a lot. Mm-hmm. And now to go back there, I don't know if they're going to run it as frequently because you're going to keep reopening this wound potentially. Well, you know, it'll be fun to see. And the New Jersey crowd, I guess like Jersey hates CM Punk. I didn't know this. I guess it's like history. There's like precedent for this, like back to his Ring of Honor days. Um, so yeah, they, but like tonight, I think it's going to be very, op- I, I could be wrong. I think it'd be very opposite, but like now a, <laughs> it's a comedy thing, right? Now there's a game, right? That the fans can play, right? right. 
And now the game is, do we cheer or boo CM Punk or the Elite? And I kind of wonder how long that game plays out, right? How long do these allegiances? Because one thing, if they are really trying to move away from the Punk stuff and get back to business, if an FCM Punk chant breaks out, I'm going, guys, don't worry. We're We're not trying to, we're over this, over the hill, right? But didn't the Bucks do it in one of their videos like that just came out where they they dropped the sound and you just heard the crowd chanting? Yes, they they're leaning. They're doing what they do. They can't help themselves. They lean into everything, you know, and they should have turned them heel, have them come out to cult of personality and just embrace it. I mean, make money off of the fact that you if the fans want to hate the Bucks and Kenny, let them hate the Bucks and Kenny. It's not like Sean went full babyface after the screw job. It wasn't just that. The show goes off the air with MJF doing Snow Angels. Literally, literally, literally goes off the air with a CM Punk reference to close the show, which nobody talks about. And then in the scrums, and I didn't get this bit at the time, and I'm really sad that I didn't. But there's no way Jungle Boy did not intentionally go out there covered in blood, eating little uh, whatever potato pancakes he was. Is a as a rib is not as a rib on CM Punk or some kind of throwback because I remember when he came out and he's got the blood on his face. I was like, well, that's weird. He was in the opening match. This guy can't wipe the blood off his face in four hours. And then I was like, wait, oh, you know what? Once it was pointed out to me, I was like, of course he didn't. He wanted the blood on his face. He wanted to look like CM Punk. He wanted to be like eating. Yeah, but really, go with the bit then. Bring like ten things to eat. But and it's just, just have like him get he, like more elaborate each by the end of it he's just like he's like opening up like a like a some sort of river fish you know it's like it's they're telling us let it go but then you got multiple little punk references right and i would just you know i would just tell him hey look guys if we're moving on we're moving on you can't you can't keep harping this because people are going to keep chanting about it they're going to keep talking about it Hausman's going to keep asking about it. (laughs) Well, the next awkward thing they have to deal with is you've got the video game coming out whenever, at some point in time in the near future, and he's right there on the cover. So now they changed. They removed him. Did they remove him? I haven't seen it. It was supposed to come out in October. That's why it didn't come out. You know, I mean, it's it's the. the, the, Is that why it didn't come out? I don't know if that's why it didn't come out, but it's like they keep postponing this. And I imagine if the person that you're leading with, I imagine, okay. An example, right? Let's say like Ray Mysterio and WWE had a falling out in, you know, 2021 or something. And they had done all this work as far as, you know, they have the Ray Mysterio mode on WWE, you know, 2K22. I would imagine that would be like, all right, well, we just got to hold off till 2023 because we don't want to put any more money in this guy's pocket. Um, And I, I, I I could see that being too. I could see them, you know, taking Punk out of the video game now. Whether that's a good business idea, I have no idea. I would say it could go either way. You know, like, um, I think people are going to buy this game regardless just because it really doesn't matter who's in it. People just know that it's the closest thing to No Mercy and that's what they want to buy. But, like, we'll see, you know. But, Dan, if they take him out of the game, how am I supposed to do my fun backstage reinvention of what happened at all out i can't i'm gonna have to create cm punk and have to create a player they should have a scrum mode they should 
We're like a journey, journey of a wrestling, wrestling journalist. It's just uh, the wrestling journalist getting rejected from all the other journalism skills. Is, 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 is Tony Khan like a secret character? Can you unlock Tony Khan in the game? That's actually something I was wondering. Do you think Tony's a character in this game? Because they, they would have those secret characters in like WrestleMania 2000 where yeah. you could like unlock yeah. the hoe. Remember, you could unlock the hoe. That yeah. was the yes. one. Yeah, you, fought, you fought the hoes. Yeah, you could have, you could be the hoe. I think they should give Tony rap. the same body as the hoe. Have him come down in that like sultry way. I also think Tony's finishing move should be the Bronco Buster, but that's just me. Can I can I can I just praise Teddy Long real fast? Holla yeah. on the. I, I was talking to him the other day. Uh, I go, what would be a fun? How would you book Tony Khan authority figure? Didn't even hesitate. He's like, you got to get some hot woman to get like all over him because she <laughs> she wants power and money, right? Yeah. And he's like all about it. And everyone's like, Tony, she's bad for you. And she's like, I want to be the GM. And then she becomes the GM on screen and you don't see Tony. And she's always talking about how she's getting money and power from him. And people hate her. And I was like, I was that's like, really good. I was like, Dude, that's I would love if that was Jade. Parker. <laughs> Jade Parker. Like, that's Imagine crazy. just like you have just one scene of like Jade, like holding Tony in her arms, you know, and like just like going in for a slow kiss. That's how you open up dynamite. It would be beautiful. Even better, it means I don't have to see Jade Cargill wrestle, so I'm all in favor of this. Uh, I didn't like that one. She's like, well, she looks like an action figure. I'm not going to sit here and say Jade Cargill. She, she looks like an action figure. If they, I think, Dan, you made this point last week on the show. If they were using her on TV just to show how impressive she was and then behind the scenes had her wrestling every day with uh, a, a Natalia, someone who's really getting her, her game up, and but you put her in there with, with Nyla Rose – you're setting them up for for failure. Like there's ways to protect people and make them look better. I don't think putting them on pay per view did Jade Cargill any favors. When there's plenty of really talented women, you can put her in there with who are going to make her look better. Yep. Well, let's yeah. get to the roast of Tony Khan since we got Nick Houseman here. Scott uh, will be recording his jokes later on. I'll probably be talking to him about Dynamite. He is writing on the roast of Burt Kreischer. So, congrats, Scott. He's oh, waiting to see if his check from Tony Khan comes in this week, depending on how mean he's going to be. Yeah, that's, I, it is suspect. This is the first roast that he's missed in a while. It is and I, would, I just want to point out that I have no idea what you two are about to say. I love the show, and you both, uh, your comments are in no way representative of my feelings of Tony Khan. You can, so you, dude, know. you can get out now if you want. And then you have uh, well, No, no. He, how are they? It's audio. We're going to say he was here. He was just on mute and he was holding up a sign the entire time. Like, I love this. I agree. Yeah. 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 FTK. Well, um, well, first we start with is Nick is a bright side, is what we like about Tony Khan. And here we go. Did a great job the first couple of years. It's the Brody Lee show was spectacular. Um, kayfabe accomplishments best booker and promoter of the year from wrestling observer i mean he really did he did it man i mean i think that that's the biggest bright side that you can say about about um about tony khan is you know like we've all been watching wrestling you know i'm 38 i've been watching wrestling 30 of those years 28 of those years we've seen so many companies fail including ecw you know like of just falling on their fucking face and tony has by far has had the most successful alternative company since WCW and it's not even close. So I, that's a, that's a huge feather in the cap, you know, cause you know, there's plenty of people with a ton of money that could totally screw the pooch. So he, he never did that. And he had some really good ideas those first couple of years. 
Um, Robert, would you like to add anything on that? Right side of Tony Khan. I can do this. All right. I did the bright side of the young books before. I can. I swear I can do it. All right. <clears throat> Robert's our WWE mole, if in case you didn't know. That is that is rude. That is wrong. Hunter, I love you. Please forgive me. Uh, Tony Khan did what every wrestling fan always said that they wish they could do, which was he launched a professional wrestling company, and he launched it in a lot of ways the right way. He didn't launch this as a as a small fledgling organization to try to build it up. He put the proper infrastructure around it. He brought in the right behind the scenes people, whether it was the directors that he brought in, producers, the agents that he had. He built the proper sets. He was booking the right arena. Bringing in a guy like Raphael Morphy to go route different arenas for you was an absolutely brilliant idea. Taking Tony Schiavone, uh, who we had in MLW, who was revitalized and putting him on camera was an absolutely brilliant idea. Schiavone has shined. Going out and saying, I appreciate what Jim Ross has done for wrestling, and I want to put him on TV, not to humiliate him, but to let him go out there and call wrestling. Tony listens to the audience, good, bad, or indifferent, for a long time. If a fan brought a sign in the front row saying, sign so-and-so or look at so-and-so, Tony's a guy who would go and look and do that. Vince would never go and watch wrestling from any other companies. Even when he bought those companies and we talked to him about it, he had no knowledge about what was going on in them. Uh, Tony Khan is a true student of the game. He's a fan and he's someone who is producing and creating a wrestling product that he wants to see. And more importantly, he thinks a broad audience wants to see. He could do one niche type of, of show, and that's not what he was putting out there. He put together a true alternative to the WWE in a very short amount of time that has a national and international presence. Uh, it has a full infrastructure behind it. And even with the, the the foibles that have happened in the in the last year that I think a lot of them are, were avoidable, and I've been saying it for the last however long we've been here, it's because I think we all do truly want AEW to succeed and there to be a true strong alternative to what the WWE has to offer. Not a company trying to put the other one out of business, but just existing as we all love wrestling. There's the WWE's brand of what they do, and then there's what AEW does, and it's all because of Tony Khan. It's also it. important <sighs> to say that before WrestleMania 38, AEW shows were empirically better than any WWE pay-per-views. For about years, I thought that AEW was just knocking it out of the park. Now that's changed. You know, WWE, Wrestle, I thought WrestleMania 38 was a great show. I thought even Money in the Bank had some good stuff on it. Um, you know, the obviously SummerSlam, obviously Bray's Return, obviously Clash of the Castle, which will probably be wrestling pay-per-view event of the year. But like for about two years, especially during the pandemic run, Tony just was knocking it out of the park with these pay-per-views. With the exception, I think, of the all-out that MJF and Moxley were in. I mean, every single one was super fun. And as a wrestling fan, the the AEW shows did feel more lively than the WWE show. Whenever I watched WWE, it just felt a little sad with the Thunderdome. And with AEW, you know, having the crowd, having the wrestlers in the crowd and having, you know, that feeling of, hey, we're having fun. You know, it felt like a fun dress rehearsal, which I think at the time was the best you were going to get out of it. You know, like there's only really one sp sport that flourished during the pandemic, and that was UFC. Almost any other sport like kind of looked, you know, bushly compared to their uh, old form. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a ton of credit, man. You know, like, especially, you know, when, when we had nothing to do in the pandemic and getting to see stadium stampede and how great of a show that was. And, um, you know, he, he like really 
he's he's he'd had a couple really great years. You know, like the last year has been rough, but he had a great first two years as a as a booker of a promotion. And I mean, I think he had a lot more ideas than like an Eric Bischoff did for sure. You know, like Eric had all the, Eric had bigger talent and a bigger budget and a bigger platform. But uh, I thought that Tony made use to it. And and Tony, for okay, here's the thing: it's like some some wrestling we've heard we've learned in the last year some wrestling should be scripted you should give some wrestlers creative but there's plenty of wrestlers who don't need that and when we see people like Miro you know when he came in and he had when he was like able to kind of give the reins off to some of these guys and be like okay you know what makes yourself work why don't you run with it and you know because of that there's been some shit but there's been a lot of home runs that we probably wouldn't have seen in WWE because you know, they trust people more. Um, Nick, do you have anything to add before we roast him? In the, in the I mean, process? like I said, you know, uh, Tony, has, I like Tony. He's a Chicago guy. And from my perspective as a journalist, you know, uh, when AEW opened up their uh, doors to the press and started doing these press conferences, I mean, from day one, they made it clear they wanted to be different from WWE in that regard and not, you know, like I say, have that old school WWE magazine mentality. And I think it's a very easy to say that there's no way we're doing the press conference, we're doing the media calls, I'm out on a press row at uh, SummerSlam or Survivor Series, unless Tony Khan and AEW had changed the narrative there. So I, from my perspective, from my business end, I definitely see a huge uh, benefit to, to what Tony and AEW have done. That's pretty good. I mean, we, we, we kind of kind of blew a lot of smoke up his ass. I feel like we're ready to roast. Soften the blow a little bit. Yeah, soften we'll the blow. We'll make up for it. Robert, do you want to go first or second? It's your Thanksgiving treat. Uh, I will I will go first. Uh, today we are roasting a borderline autistic pro wrestling fan with encyclopedic knowledge of the business and inability to make eye contact or any human emotion. No, not Mike Lawrence. We're talking about Tony Khan. <laughs> Tony's a lot like Mike in that they both have an unhealthy amount of wrestling action figures. The only difference is just Tony's are actual people. <laughs> Tony Khan is Vince McMahon if Vince actually ever watched pro wrestling. <laughs> Tony Khan is Paul Heyman if his creativity was bankrupt instead of his bank account. Oh my God. Tony Khan is Jim Cornette. If he let CM Punk fuck his company instead of his wife. (laughs) (laughs) Tony Khan is what happens if the genie from Aladdin only granted (laughs) make-a-wishes. I'm going to go nice for a moment. In AEW, Tony Khan is the president, chief executive, general manager, and executive producer. He wears a lot of hats, which explains why his hair is always so disheveled. (laughs) tony is an executive at the jacksonville jaguars so he won't be seeing a ring without ropes for a long long time oh that is true though that is very true tony is the son of shad Khan. shad made his fortune making car bumpers while tony has spent a fortune taking bumps of cocaine (laughs) (laughs) i'm not saying that's not nick laughing we have a studio audience i'm i'm look i'm not saying tony khan does cocaine but tony khan does cocaine oh his biggest disappointment was when he signed jake roberts to a contract and when he learned jake was clean saddled him with lance archer hoping that would get him off the wagon (laughs) <laughs> oh, man. Tony Khan is the vice chairman of Fulman, 
But even with the World Cup going on, I'm not going to pretend to give a shit about soccer. (laughs) Tony made Kenny Omega the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes executive vice presidents, mainly to force them to come to his birthday party. (laughs) After spending tens of millions of dollars, Tony finally won the Wrestling Observer Promoter of the Year. Upon further reflection, it would have been infinitely cheaper to just buy the Observer (laughs) or build a Dave Meltzer with robot parts of his own. (laughs) Tony has been criticized for a lack of diversity in AEW, something he he rectified by checking my notes, firing the black woman who raised the issue. (laughs) Tony bought Ring of Honor the way Dan drunkenly buys Taco Bell at 2 a.m. Two gorditas, uh, Mexican pizza, and... Eh, fuck it. Throw in Ring of Honor. (laughs) (laughs) Tony Khan has a reputation of hiring wrestlers just so they'll be his friends. Hey, he stole Conrad's gimmick. (laughs) I'm joking. Conrad is a smart, sophisticated gentleman's gentleman who, like Tony, has worked tirelessly to elevate the wrestling art form. And like Tony, Conrad cares about you, the audience. That's why if you go to savewithconrad.com right now, you'll get interest rates so low, you'll think they're the viewership for AEW Dark Elevation. (laughs) Thanks, Conrad. Speaking of bloated and unwieldy, AEW's (laughs) roster has more wrestlers in it than a WWE in-memoriam package. (laughs) And finally, Tony Khan is living out his dream. And who are we to criticize that? Oh, that's right. We're pro wrestling fans. Fuck you for trying to do something you love, you twitchy, bug-eyed, entitled money mark. <laughs> Dan? Well, well, I think you're definitely meaner than mine, but oh, <laughs> sorry. that was great. All right, roast to Tony Khan. Tony looks like what would happen if Rick Moranis went on a hunger strike. It's, it's not fair to shit on Tony's booking when he hasn't figured out blinking. He got put in charge of the football operations in Fulham, his duties include uh, evaluation, recruitment, and forcing them to hang out with him. No, He congratulated <laughs> his players over FaceTime instead of flying out, which means they won twice. He said he'll never make wrestlers memorize a script, but has no problem filling their prescriptions. He took the elite's EVP status away, and they took away his privileges at their blanket fort. Aww. He says... No wrestler has creative control, but we just want someone to, else to control creative. Oh, that wasn't that great. He won the Wrestling Observer Booker of the Year, Tony said to the empty seat Shad was supposed to be in. Oh, he's, he's, he's from the University Laboratory High School, which is where we got Abaddon. He <laughs> said Big Swell's wrestling wasn't good enough, which means Swerve finally let him smoke his weed. <laughs> He's the owner of True Media Networks, inspired by him saying, it's true, on the playground. Shad Khan lets his son run the wrestling because he's too busy tying a girl to a racetrack. Shad Khan, (laughs) or what if Ric Flair told the truth? He looks like Bollywood Wario. Shad owns a super yacht named Kismet. The Oxford Dictionary defines Kismet as destiny and pussy bitch boy as Tony Khan. His dad became a billionaire from selling car bumpers and a millionaire from selling them to Sonny. When (laughs) Tony asked about AEW, his dad said, son, at your age, I decided to buy the Jaguars. It's time for you to fail on your own. 
Come on now. <laughs> he grew up in Pakistan, but it wasn't dangerous enough, so he moved to Jacksonville. And finally, he owns the Black <laughs> News Channel, which is the only place you'll find Rampage results. All right, folks, there we go. <laughs> the roast to Tani Khan. That was a fun one. Robert, wow. great roast, Robert. Oh, um, bro, show and hell for this. We, uh, I did, I, I, I asked people to watch the Ring of Honor promo. I mean, we just have to. I mean, all I'll say about Tony's promos is when you're watching them on TV, they're, uh, you're like, what the fuck? But when you watch them live, you're like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen <laughs> because it is just somebody flipping. It seems like every single promo is him trying to yell. It's almost like the fire marshal getting you out of the building. You know, it, it really is. I mean, I've just never seen, I've never seen anything like his promos. I have never seen anything like it before um and i'm always entertained clearly you didn't go to hebrew school dan because <laughs> i've seen plenty of kids try to cut this level of of fervor i would have picked for for show and hell my favorite annual tradition is because of tony khan because every year i watch the national football league uh football draft and every year they cut to the war room of the Jaguars because they're so terrible. They usually have a very high pick. And there is a lot of hustle and bustle in, in the war room. And there's a there's tables full of people. And then sitting in the corner by himself with no one talking to him is Tony Khan. Mm. Two years in a row they have shown this. And it is by far my favorite thing that I watch all year. All right. Well, that's it, man. That's the roast of Tony Khan. You know, I mean, I, and and I'll say as a positive, I want to end this on a positive note. I am rooting for AEW and Tony Khan. It is better for the wrestlers. It is better for wrestling fans. It's better for wrestling journalists to right. have an alternative. So yes. I am not one of these people. I don't want to see either company fail. Um, it it kind of makes it's it's a little bizarre the fervor that's on both sides. I, I think more so on the AEW side because WWE has plenty of AEW fans too. Um. But he's yeah, also I'm, one of the few people we've roasted that it would just be fun to geek out about wrestling with him. Cause I do genuinely think he loves pro wrestling. There's a lot of people yeah. that we've roasted a lot of people I've worked with who I know genuinely hate pro wrestling and are just stuck in this world. Like this is a guy where he loves it to a level that we love it. And I think there's something who do you think really fun about out of everyone in the wrestling business you've worked with Robert, who hates wrestling the most? You think Linda, no, sorry. Um, <laughs> Vince. I, I, I think I if I can jump in. Uh I I am I, I like him. He's been very nice to me over the years. I don't know that Jerry Lawler is in love with the business like he used to be. <laughs> well, well he, yeah, but he he, he, he he tried to launch that WWE kids. I don't know. I'm just no uh, and Lawler, no, Lawler doesn't love pro wrestling, oh, but Kev, it's Kevin because Dunn she, fucking hates it. Oh, Kevin Dunn hates pro wrestling. Kevin, but but Kevin Dunn is also someone I don't want to have to have a conversation with ever. Like I'd rather I'd rather cut my arm off. There's people I worked with on creative who hated pro wrestling. I'm not gonna you know name their names. You you can look into who I worked with at the time and kind of gleam from there who you think it was. But uh, there, I, I think Vince hated pro wrestling in the sense that he saw it as a launching pad for something else. He wanted to build a bigger sports entertainment empire. I never once had a conversation with Vince about a match or a wrestler. Like, that wasn't going to happen. He wasn't going to sit there and voluntarily say, you know, oh, did you see so-and-so? Um, I, I there, There's people who, I don't, I don't want to say the name, but hypothetically, theoretically, maybe 
possibly a gentleman who is uh, on a commentary position on a major uh, network uh, named after an animal that can be hunted for its pelts, uh, who might not be the world's biggest professional wrestling fan and has vocalized that before, Dude, but has Taz, found a way to, to like it. Not to blow your cover, but that story you told me about Taz on the plane is one of the funniest. Yes. Have you told oh, no, me the podcast? No, I don't think I told oh, you oh, my the God, podcast. Yeah. But this is the greatest. I'll, 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 I'll tell it very briefly, but... Uh, was flying back on the on the corporate jet with uh, with Taz and Cole. Um, Vince and them were going to OVW. I had to fly home because I was the most Jewish story ever. I was flying back to Connecticut to fly home for Rosh Hashanah. So I flew back with Cole and Taz on the corporate plane. And on the screen, they show like the cities you're flying over. And Taz just looks, he goes, you see all those cities up there? I'm like, yeah, he goes, I wrestled in every one of them. You know what that means? No, it means jack fucking shit. <laughs> the most self-hating like it's so wrestling because it's like confident but also completely self-hating and self-sabotage yes it was putting himself over and then burying the business all at the same time which is per perfect taz and taz is the best on commentary and i i do I love think taz. He's commentator of the year i really do like all right let's get to uh let's get to sid we're gonna roast sid uh okay let's, let's do the bright side first and i will say without a doubt sid i think is the greatest wrestle crap wrestler of all time. He has it, it is it is a blast to watch Sid whether it's good whether it's bad. It's more fun to watch it if it's bad. Like he I mean for everything from stomping on the squished car to like you know the promos. I mean he's just spectacular. Um he is the airport test, you know, they talk about that in WWE a lot and Meltzer hates it, but it is a thing. Uh, you know, you notice that guy, you know, like no matter what, for better or worse, um, it's still married. Kids aren't dead. So that's a plus. And a wrestler um, wasn't a mark. Used the business more than the business used him, which I always appreciate. You know, you're never going to hear Sid talk like Bret Hart. That's not in his lexicon. And as far as kayfabe accomplishments, Pro Wrestling Illustrated Comeback of the Year, two-time WCW World Champion, two-time United States Champion, two-time uh, WWE World Heavyweight Champion. You know, he's a guy that as soon as he shows up, you got to use on top because he looks that different and he's built that different. And his power bomb is pretty fucking fun, man. And, uh, you know, I, I, I watched him beat Michaels at Survivor Series 96 in Madison Square Garden. And he was over, bro. Like, people were booing Sean out of the building. And, yes, New York is a heel town. And they were kind of sick of the Sean, Sean babyface run. Just didn't totally work besides the matches that were great. Um, but it was it was cool to see it, man. Um, and, I mean, out of all the – like, if 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 – if a casual wrestling fan asks me, you know, like, oh, I want to see a funny wrestling promo, I do Steiner math, and then I'll just pick something from Sid, because there's always something fucking great there. Nick, have you ever interviewed Sid? I have not interviewed Sid, but I have spoken to Sid on the phone trying to get him to do an interview. Uh, I was trying to book him for Sean Waltman's podcast, and he talked to me no less than a half dozen times. Uh, this was while I guess he was trying to write a book. He was always very distracted and nothing came of it. And that is my psycho Sid story. <laughs> um, OCD Sid, less psycho Sid. Um, yeah. More distracted. Uh, uh, anyway. Robert, what's your opinion on Sid? I've never heard you shit on him. I've never heard you praise him. I love Sid. Sid is, I was talking about this with, with Lawrence. Um, he, I, we, I said guilty pleasure. He's not even a guilty pleasure. Sid is the best. 
because having had to watch a lot of wrestling when I was at WWE and you see stuff in WCW era, the WWF era, the ECW era, whatever it was, his stuff was always different and interesting and the crowds always loved him. And he got opportunity after opportunity after opportunity when a lot of other people, they would have cut bait on him. And he is a hell of a lot of fun. I think back to his, his, his WWF run when he was Sid justice and then he turned on Hogan. That was a great moment. Uh, Sid at that press conference with Jack Tunney, when they don't announce him as getting the title shot is legitimately very, very funny where he has the pre-written speech and he goes to stand up and give it. He, he has more self-awareness in a lot of ways. And I think people understood uh, he was on top at times when the business was not always great. You know, WrestleMania 13 is kind of viewed as a, a downturn time for the, for the actual company. Obviously everyone thinks of it as, Oh, that was Bret Hart and Steve Austin. This is amazing. It's like, no, the main event was Sid and Undertaker. Business was not at the greatest place in the world at that point. And he was just sort of stuck as the uh, the face of a lot of that. He had a lot of starts and stops for reasons that were partially his, his own doing. And Dan, to your point, he's not a mark. He wanted to go and play softball. He wanted to go and lead his own life and get paid wherever he was going to get paid. But he was an absolute blast. You will never regret watching uh, a, a Sid match or a Sid promo and not just the, hey, we're live, pal. Like he's there's just a goofiness to him that is pure professional wrestling at its finest. Uh, they're not going to be great matches, but it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. I mean, have you ever heard anything? about? I mean, obviously, we know the Arn Anderson story, which is horrifying. But have you heard it? I've, I've never. I, besides that story, which is totally horrifying, I haven't really heard anything about him politicking backstage or any of that kind of shit. You know, I mean, he politics and that he wanted to be in wherever was going to get him paid the most amount of money. He yeah, waited. but that's like that's what every wrestler should be doing. Well, yeah. not not Brett. Not Brett. Oh, of course, not Brett. But no, yeah, no. He he was a guy who was going to do whatever it took to, to make the most money, uh, milk it. It's again, it's, it's not like he was three credit shy being a PhD. Uh, I, you know, as Nick said, he, it took him all that time to try to read that book. Uh, and he gave up on it halfway through, but he will finish that book someday. He's like, write three chapters. Book. Oh, write, write that book, write that. Sorry. Write. He has to write that book. Um, the crayons kept snapping. He's got very big <laughs> fingers, but, uh, no, Sid is, Sid is awesome. He's a it's, fantastic. It's a book, but it's just his leg. <laughs> oh, and this is the bright the side, right side. But he is kind of his own worst enemy, even so much as like there was that thing a couple years ago where he no showed coming back for a WWE reunion event. So yeah, he had a softball game. Well, of course he had it. It was a, a softball game at night, so it definitely wasn't at Wrigley. Is he like um, a fucking? Is he awesome at softball? Like I wish that we had montages and playing softball. Nick, that what? is my I want I want to see Sid play softball. We've all talked about it so much. So I loves it. I want to see this. There is footage of Sid playing softball. And here's how I know this, because going back to WWF magazine, which I contribute a lot of my fandom to getting that as a kid and loving it. There was a there was a picture that I will never forget of a WWF softball game as a charity event and Savage was playing in it and Sid was playing it when I was at WWE I mentioned it to somebody like, "Oh, we have video footage of that." So there is video footage in in 120 Hamilton in the in the vault Why of the WWE not baseball. Why is he in the softball not baseball? Because uh, it's an, it's easier to 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 play. You, you don't really have a lot of like rec baseball going on. Yeah, um so softball just, you know, 
fit his Ms. Milieu, but there is video footage of this and I made them pull it up and look at it. And it was, it was great. Oh man. Yeah. They should. I mean, they have so many fucking things on the WB network. I would, I mean, Peacock should make a big deal. You know, they have Sid's uh, baseball game, you know, Peacock has other things to worry about, Dan. I know they, they have Steve Austin TV shows yeah, to get on the air. I know they do far bro. more important than than our boy Sid. But uh, let's 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 roast the only person we're roasting today who could legitimately still kill us. Uh, well, we did roast Teddy Hart, but uh, I will uh, I will go. Um, si- I just started out with this: scissor me, daddy, softball. I don't know why. <laughs> Dude, that just works out a lot of different ways. All right, it's good. That's a good joke. Yeah, Sid main evented a WrestleMania. CM Punk said to no one as AJ signed divorce papers. Uh, he, he, he looks like what would happen if Eileen Warno's dad was also her mom. He's from Marion, Texas, which is what Flair says to exes. Marion! Uh, he's been married to Sabrina Stage for 40 years, but she hasn't been seen in 15 of them. Uh, his kids went on Big Brother, opposed to growing up on Absent Father. Oh. He was in uh, Ready to Rumble alongside David Arquette and Scott Con- That's more of a wrestler joke, by the way. I actually don't know if he was a good dad. He's probably a good dad. He was in Ready to Rumble alongside David Arquette and Scott Con. Wonder why Hollywood took so long to trust The Rock. His <laughs> promo style is schizophrenic who won't leave Chinatown bus. He took a quart of blood from Arn Anderson, who gave five quarts of hair to God. He was in the movie River of Darkness, or where Marty Jannetty put that gay guy's body. He was in Tears of Bankers, which is the uh, body of water Vince is currently drowning in. His love for softball inspired Ryan Satin's interviews. His theme is what his theme is what plays in Mike Lawrence's head at nine twenty-five on Wednesday. He got charged with weed possession and driving without a license, but was released for a thousand bucks, which is to this day, the saddest form of white privilege. Did you see his leg break in WCW? So gross. Luckily, I was already shielding my eyes from watching his matches. And finally, he forgets his lines, which is also why Hacksaw and Sheik turned the car around. Uh, (laughs) So that's it for me. Robert, some Sid. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to go much lighter on Sid because I like Sid. Uh, Sid is the master and ruler of the world. And if you look at the state of the world right now, you'd know he's telling the truth. Sid accomplished a lot in pro wrestling. Most notably, he got scissoring over long before the acclaim did. <laughs> Sid was old school. He came from an era where not having proper health care meant his undiagnosed psychosis was less a liability and more a great gimmick. the downside was that his mind wasn't the only part of him that snapped oh sid Sid has the most gruesome injury in wrestling history i haven't seen a wrestler get taken out at the knees like that since triple h took over booking (laughs) sid loves softball which if we're honest is a sport mainly played by teenage girls why didn't i think of that asked jerry lawler (laughs) here's my scott joke of the week sid played softball but years of steroid abuse left him with tiny balls tiny balls Mm. sid crapped himself in the wrestlemania main event with the undertaker because even he knew that was a bathroom break match (laughs) i didn't know he should he should have spanced during that match yes i knew that he wrestled as sid vicious 
and he murdered promos like they were a Nancy Spungen. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> what? A Sid and Nancy joke. Sid uh... was trained by Tojo Yamamoto. If you know who that is, congratulations, you're Excalibur. <laughs> Sid team with Dan Spivey to form the skyscrapers because they were tall, immobile, and refused to share space with people of color. Well, Sid competed as Lord Humongous, a nickname that was later bestowed upon wrestling empresario and our one true king, Conrad Thompson. Save with Conrad.com. You'd have to be crazier than Psycho Sid to think you're getting a lower interest rate on homes. <laughs> Sid was a member of the Four Horsemen, where he feuded with Robocop and El Gigante, in case you ever wondered why WCW went out of business. In the WWF, he debuted doing what he does best, refereeing a pro wrestling match. <laughs> Sid competed in ECW, where he was crazy enough to think he'd get paid for working there. Huh. In WCW, he was billed as the Millennium Man, which again explains why that company didn't make it into this millennium. <laughs> Sid has two sons, Frank and Gunner. I'll let you guess which one became a pro wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> and in the end... Sid is the greatest guilty pleasure in pro wrestling that doesn't involve Somas. <laughs> Man, Sid got off pretty good compared to Tony. I got to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> Nick, Nick doesn't know. Uh, I mean, I, look, hey, I think you guys just enjoyed the Tony stuff more because he's more relevant, right? Like topical stuff that you get to deal with, right? Sid, right. you know, we all, we all, we all loved Sid. He was an action figure, you know. He wasn't actually. It was great. He's a he's a video game character. His his promos are <laughs> legendary. His his matches are are fun. The creepy. Has he ever been in blinking. a WWE? What, what video games are he's in? A ton of the video games. Yeah, he he was in the arcade game for sure. He was in WWE Superstars. Oh, right. I know that. Yeah, he was, and they put him in some of the more recent WWE 2K games, and uh, they didn't have to remove him. So that's another plus for Sid. He could be that. He could be the 2K 22 softball, right? Like this, he could be the face. Of, <laughs> he could be the face of the softball video game franchise, like Madden. Where would you guys put Sid's power bomb? Oh, I'd have to go back and watch it. But on he, the list of moves, I'm not taking. Yeah, because oh, I know, but as far as they look cool, he did it. He did a traditional one, right? Where it was both leg. It was leg on each side, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did he? And he went all the way down with you. He didn't like do it and then just kind of jackknife drop you, right? Like he would no, do that. It. Diesel was more of the jackknife, but no, he would jackknife right. a little bit. I mean, I thought he was the second best next to Diesel, probably. I'd have to go back and watch his power bomb. The problem with Diesel is that they were the best when they were the best, but then eventually, you know, once WCW, he would fall quite a bit. Um, but Sid always had a pretty good power bomb. I, I will say this to praise Sid further, since we just buried him a little more. Um, took a super kick really well. Yeah. Like he made Sean look like a giant killer in a way that Luchasaurus needed to have studied before that Jungle Boy match. Like he sold that super kick like he was dead. And it made you think Sean could just kick anyone in the face and knock him out. Uh, and, and Sid in the ring when getting paid had no ego. And I think that was kind of fun. Like he would be willing to just, you know, lose if you want to pay him enough to lose. It's a very Brock Lesnar style of looking at the business. And and that's a good thing. Uh, also, I loved his, his stupid spinny pyro. That was always fun. Oh, yeah, that the was stupid fun. Spinny pyro was good. And I actually I did get to go back and watch some Sid stuff when I was working on Waltman's podcast because I was going to try to reunite him because everybody really liked the one, two, three kid and Psycho Sid. It'd be cool to get him back together. 
Um, and uh, they were fun. To, they were a fun unit, you know. Sitting the kid. Sitting the kid. Great. They did that. They did that one Super Bowl match where they did like a. I don't know if anybody remembers this. It was like a twenty-two or twenty-four by twenty-four ring. It was like bigger and it had astroturf on it. Um, and all the yeah, wrestlers. Yeah, I vaguely remember this. Yeah. All, all the wrestlers had to wear uh football jerseys i forget if it was sid the kid or if he was with i think he was with razor i think waltman was with racer in that match anyway i vaguely I, remember that uh, i remember the show because we had to clean it up for wwe and we were doing like pro football month for wwe 24 7 so we were pulling all the stuff we could find that was just weird i can't remember what it was called and somewhere tony khan is yelling it uh it, while he's listening to the show he's like it was called this <laughs> um yeah and i and look we can't Man, he he he's just I mean as far as like um his promos, I don't think there's a more fun promo than Sid. Yes, there's a million different pro- there's a million guys who cut a better promo than Sid, but I've never watched a Sid promo and not been entertained cuz uh he really doesn't now now he doesn't really talk about his opponent much. He mostly just kind of goes he's kind of like a little bit more of a grounded ultimate warrior in his promos um because by the end of it you're like what the fuck is happening? But it is a blast, man. I mean, if you're in the if you're in the mood for like some fun wrestle crap, if you're having a wrestle crap night, I really don't know a better wrestler than Sid. Um, and uh, him and Dan Spivey when they would come out as the Twin Towers looked genuinely fucking intimidating. And there was that match where they beat the shit out of those jobbers. And I always I will say to Sid's defense, uh, Dan Spivey took way more liberties than Sid did. So, um, good on Sid. Yeah, but Dan Spivey played a better crazy person. Well, maybe. Yeah, that Whale and Mercy stuff was fantastic. Whale and Mercy was great until the bell rang, and then he just couldn't go anymore. But that character was awesome. You was- you leave Bray Wyatt alone. But yeah. uh, the thing that kills me the most with Sid is, I think one of the ways he was booked the best was in ECW, and it makes me wish that Paul had him on a major stage at a prime point in his career. I think he would have done great things with Sid. Well, it's just one of those things where it was like, you know, Sid, like every time they you remember before he came back and won the title from Sean, he was off WWE and he was having these matches that nobody gave a shit about. He was lower on the card. And Sid is kind of like Daniel. This is the only way I'll compare him to Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson. Um, the only way that I will I will compare them uh, is by saying that they um, you can't keep them at the bottom of the card for long. They eventually go to the top of the card because you need them. So. You know, matches are very different, but um, yeah, that's my big thing. Robert, you have a high spot, low spot this week? Oh, do I ever, Daniel? Do Mm -hmm. I ever? Uh, My high spot of the week uh, happened Saturday evening. uh, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, my my favorite person in professional wrestling, uh, won his first world title. And... It was something that I had told him years ago, you will be a world champion. You have all the tools for it. And seeing that moment happen was absolutely incredible. Um, I, I let him know after it was it was genuinely one of the the happiest things I've seen personally in, in professional wrestling. Nobody deserves it more than him. Uh, he has the 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 tool set to really change this industry going forward, and 
it was a lot of hard work and a lot of hard work that a lot of people don't know about uh, to get to that spot. And and that dude, uh, you know, deserves to be remembered as being one of the best world champions of all time. And this is just the start. All right, I'm going to go. Uh, what's your low spot this week, Robert? On Saturday evening, uh, MJF won the AEW world title in the least spectacular way possible, which definitely kind of sucked. It it happened. It felt wildly anticlimactic. And it's like I've said before, we've now reached a point where AEW needs MJF far more than MJF needs AEW. Uh, Looking at the card that Tony was trying to do about a hundred things at once on here and build up a lot of talent that he just hasn't taken advantage of for months and months and months. And it was like the night before a test and he's like, oh shit, I forgot to do this. We got to make sure we push Jungle Boy. Oh shit, we got to push Ricky Starks. Oh shit, we got to push Darby. If those guys were being built up while you know you're going to get to this MJF moment, you would have young, exciting competitors who are ready to go in what feels like ready-made main events. I feel like Tony has set Max up to fail in a lot of ways because you could do the the Moxley rematch. I don't think anyone's clamoring for a Moxley rematch. You could get to Danielson facing MJF at some point down the road, but I just watched Danielson pretend to care about the Ring of Honor world title and not win it. It's going to take some rehabilitation to get him there. You can put him in there with, with Ricky Starks, is that going to feel like a real main event or is it going to feel like a step, you know, step back? If Darby was really being pushed as the next Jeff Hardy, that would be a fun thing for the next little while. You're not really there for it. You don't know when Hangman's going to be back to be able to do that match. So I, I think that hello, Tony has given the title to Max at a point in time where the company is cooling off. I, Robert, you're frozen. All right. Well, fuck Robert's opinion on that. Um, Nick, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I'm here. Oh, my. Oops, I'm here. Sorry. My right. my my Wi-Fi cut out for a moment. Tony heard what I was saying, and he's like, nope. Um. All right. Well, Robert, those are good high spots, low spots, after I just buried you for uh, freezing up. I'm going to finish my, my thought that I was going to say, which was what, just, what uh, Tony has put Max in a position to fail. Max will not fail in that position, and he will find a way to succeed by hook or by crook, no matter what. I think an Eddie Kingston MJF feud would be great. With Eddie w- Kingston was great on the pre-show of a pay-per-view. I don't know. I think it, I think it could be. There's there's a lot there. There is a lot there, but you need to get the fans to recognize Eddie Kingston as a as a legitimate top guy. Well, I don't and think for the next pay per view, but I think for double or nothing, you could build to it. You could get there, and I think he had such a great emotional match. It's a shame that that was on the pre show. Yeah, I mean that was a bummer. My high spot um, was I thought Full Gear was a good show. You know, I, I thought that there was a there was a lot to like about the show. I know Robert didn't share the uh, excitement that me and Scott did about the show i mean were there things that they needed to work on sure um and my low spot and high spot i'm gonna say both at the same time is that reggie got repackaged and put on tv before (laughs) miro did which is kind of like a bummer that miro hasn't but in reggie's character this is all bright side for me he's some guy named scripts uh and he wears a crazy mask uh mike lawrence made the point that he does look like one of Bailey's air dancers when 
when they come into the in, through the uh, jumbotron. But I hope they never fire Reggie. I hope they keep fucking reinventing him. Like have him a gimmick, have scripts on TV for a year, and then have him come back as like you know, I don't know, the new goon or something. Just just a, a new gimmick every year. Keep Reggie on my TV. As far as far as uh, things to promote. This... You got hold on. You got You got to keep Reggie there because someday we will get Reggie and Omos as the tag team, and it will be the God. best thing since Sid and the Can Master Blaster that shit, bro. Just have him like in, on on top of Omos. Um, yes, it'll be like the little things that repelled off the monster in Cloverfield. It'd be fantastic. <laughs> I want to see Reggie do the backflips into Omos's arms. That would be wonderful. That's twice but... in one show you wanted someone jumping into someone else's arms. Like, what is it about a small man jumping into someone's arms? That's just like, is that your no, thing? I... I just want to be held. Uh, some 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 promos <laughs> for this for this weekend. I am in New York doing stand up again. Um, Thanks for picking it. Like the one week I'm there, you just like bolt and leave town. I, I like I'm gonna that. Be doing. Uh, I'm going to be in Jersey City. Actually, I believe me and Scott are on the show in Jersey City at uh, Corgi Comedy Club. So check that out. Um, I'm also going to be at New York Comedy Club and Brooklyn Comedy Club this weekend and. Yeah, I'll be bouncing around New York doing spots. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Become a member of our Patreon. We got a lot of fun stuff this week. You know, Robert's doing that review. I'm also reviewing In Your House, Good Friends, Better Enemies that you can only get on the $10 tier. Diesel and Sean. Yeah, it was actually, I mean, that main event was fantastic. And the the matches itself are so weird. It's like Ultimate Warrior versus Goldust, Scott Hall versus Vader. It's just shit you never thought you'd see and you end up seeing. Um, but yeah, man, we, 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 we leave some iTunes reviews. We could really use some more of those, some more five-star iTunes reviews. And most importantly, have a happy Thanksgiving. Nick, if you have a high spot and low stop spot, please. But if not, just, you know, plug away, sir. Dude, I was sitting here and I'm kind of like half working right now because somebody sent me an email as I was listening to all of your highs and lows. But, dude, I was like, if they come to me, man, I'm going to bury that Scripps thing because that Scripps thing sucks. And beat me too. <laughs> but you you stole my low point out of my mouth. I completely agree. What a garbage. I mean, the dude looks like uh, if you lit, uh, if you like took a Muppet and you kind of <laughs> shredded it a little bit, like that's what Scripps looks like. I, mean, I hate Scripps. And then high point is for like, me. Is it, is it kind of like Max Moon, the character? Dude, Max, it's but again, it's like a it's like Muppet Max Moon. It's like Triple M, you know? And so I burying script. Script sucks. I love Reggie. I agree. Dude, I was just talking to Ninja Mac. I don't know if you guys know Ninja Mac. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Ninja's cool. But he's been over he's done three tours at Noah this year. And he's like actually trying to become a really good wrestler. And that guy has a uh Cirque du Soleil background. I mean, they used to shoot that guy out of cannons, right? He could do, like, standing, triple corkscrew flips, all this stuff. That guy learns the psychology, and I think he's almost there. I would put him and Reggie together. I mean, you got these two guys that could just blow some minds if you put them together. Um, But anyway, high point, obviously, Full Gear. Full Gear was a good show. Everybody had a lot of fun, very historical. And then I got to, you know, have that moment with Tony Khan and – Hopefully, try to get to the closer closer to the truth of what happened. I will say I was very happy to get Tony on the record saying that the punk punk didn't have anything to do with Cabana being moved. And from what I've heard, you know that's that's exactly what I've heard. I I don't know who's working overtime to try to get in Meltzer's ear and and try to make it sound otherwise and keep that narrative spinning. But 
I would I would encourage fans to remain skeptical and continue asking questions. And you know, I don't I, I don't know I don't know that that's going to stop anytime soon. And again, this dynamite show tonight in Chicago, holy hell, it's going to open this thing up like another can of worms all over again. Yeah, if you can't trust a pro wrestling promoter, who can you trust these days? <laughs> I gave I gave him all my money, and you know. I lost it. He took it. No, you're confusing that with Conrad. Oh. I'm joking. I'm joking. We love being part of the Ad Free Shows Network. He's the best. Uh, all of his shows the, are fantastic. The recurring bit is Robert trying to get us kicked off of Ad Free Shows. Well, I'm always kind of ribbing Conrad a little bit when I do these because you see this like... Like I you're going to get to his ribs. I got to this children's NXT title here. I got like the, I got, like, the children's... Like... This is my children's winged eagle belt from 1998 that's all busted up, right? See, Conrad goes spends all his money on the real stuff. I got the kid stuff here. I spent I spent no money from this. Was gifted this when I was eight. <laughs> um, do you think, Nick, on your expert opinion, does Ali get fired from WWE first, or we get fired from ad free shows first? I think Ali's got a job for life. Yeah, I think oh, I, he's definitely got a job for life. Yes. Yeah, as long as as long as Ali doesn't, and he's not because he's a very responsible adult. I I think that he's a, I think he's got a job for life. I think he's fine. You two, you're um, yeah, yeah, yeah rebels with with without a cause, or we're just we're or we're just without a cause. I think we're more just causeless. But uh, that was our episode. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Nick, thank you again. I'm sure you'll be here for the third uh, scrum where. You know, I don't know. Maybe something interesting will happen. On no, this. we could do, we could do this after all the scrums. I do need to say before we wrap up and leave, I only get to do these appearances and, and participate in the scrums because of the work I do at Wrestling Inc. I'm the senior news editor at Wrestling Inc. I'm very proud of the work we do there. I have a fantastic team of people that help us cover all the big events, including this Saturday night. We're going to have your full 365, 24-7 Survivor Series coverage, live coverage, all the news breaking on the site. Um, so spend your Thanksgiving weekend with wrestlinginc.com. Uh, and I have a big interview, uh, that's going to come out on Friday. Uh, Brian Pillman Jr. talked with me and, uh, obviously Brian, uh, is uh, with AEW. So there's stuff to talk about there, but as I'm sure you all would like to hear his thoughts, I get to ask him about Teddy Hart, somebody he used to tag with that is now the subject of dangerous breed and may have been a murderer when Brian was tagging with him. What a and, hilarious name for a documentary series, by the way. Which, which, funny enough, I was booking that at you that may, time. You may have been booking a murderer. <laughs> oh, uh, we, yeah, but to be fair, we kind of knew that going into it, even before this story. You're <laughs> like, there's an 80% chance Teddy Horse killed a guy. Uh, it was a thought I had while in Teddy's hotel room while he's showing me his cat doing moonsaults. <laughs> God damn, this business. Um, so yeah, so, uh, if you want to hear Brian's thoughts on AEW, his current contract status with them, Teddy Hart, uh, there's some other great stuff in there that's going to drop Friday. And then uh, we have a Kerry Morton interview that's dropping tomorrow on Thanksgiving day. So just I, to I, Nick, everybody, I, I, I really thank you all. And I only have minor regrets about appearing on this show where you buried somebody that's very influential in how I do business day to day. So Sid's going to get over it. You'll be fine. <laughs> I, I, you know, and it's Sid, it's Sid. <laughs> 
master of the universe baby you know You're pretty good i mean we said a lot of nice things about tony too you know i, I sure. hope people realize that. So, uh, we didn't do survivor series predictions here's my biggest prediction is that i'm going to enjoy it because there's only five matches on the card so far holy and jesus tony if, why didn't you say anything about the length of aw pay-per-views hey I mean, tony that, this is not I a joke it's pretty good you know like for it but yeah there's only going to be like you know they're going to add like a match and a pre-show match on Friday, so there's going to be like seven matches total. It's going to be the easiest show. Probably ever. not because the war war games matches are lengthy and setting up and uh, the the cages is lengthy. So yeah. you're you're going to be around the same length, and it's it's always a challenge to shoot a war games because of the the hard cam adjustment with the two rings, and uh, it's 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 tough because the, working with those two rings there. Um, we ran a war games, uh, in MLW and just the configuration of it's kind of a pain in the ass, but they, they don't really love the visual of having the two rings where one is not being used otherwise. So I don't think there's going to be more than the five matches and some video packages and they find their sweet spot of the amount of time for these shows. And unlike a, an AEW pay-per-view where you're paying a lot of money for it, this is on Peacock where they already have so much other fine programming that this is just a, basically a free add-on. Yeah, I think it goes no more than three hours. I think the paper and WWE for their to their credit, I mean, I think Hunter is definitely actively trying to make his pay per views flow and more succinct as a way to differentiate from AEW. And I think that's very it's a very intentional change we've seen on our Hunter Hunter, and it's welcome. I I appreciate it. I like the way their shows are flowing. So all right, yeah. are we done? Can I go? Can I put We're my done. kids' belt away now? Yeah, you put no, you can keep that. We know you're not putting that kid's belt away. We're, you're going to wear it around the house. But hey, congrats on getting married too, Nick. And uh, we will see you soon. Thank you so much, guys. You're you're both wonderful. And uh, and I, I wish you both and everybody else a happy Thanksgiving weekend. Have a great one, guys. Thank you, sir. Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Thanksgiving night. It is 9.56 p.m. on Thanksgiving night. Zach, I'm so sorry for getting uh, this to you late. I've, I've been trying to record for the last maybe hour, but it's impossible to start one of these things. Like we make fun of Dan every week, but you just feel like an idiot. It's like, hey, what, how are you? You just fumble over words and it's a lot. It's a lot. And it's anxiety inducing. And, you know, I think more than anything is especially like when you're doing it alone, you go, this is dumb. Or at least like you go, I am dumb. And they, or you go like I'm having since I'm talking to myself, I'm having a conversation with a dumb person. That's what it feels like. And so I, I keep stopping and starting this recording because I'm like fumbling over my words. I can't string sentences together. I didn't know that I needed the three guys on account. Of I, I can't uh, do a paragraph out of my mouth. I didn't know that's why I needed Mike, Dan and Robert. Holy shit. And then I'm like, I'm stopping and recording so much. And then, you know, there, there gets to a point where you go like, okay, am I dumb or am I Stanley Kubrick? <laughs> you go like, am I dumb or am I a perfectionist? But I'm not a perfectionist. I'm a, I'm a failureist. Anyway, Thanksgiving was good, though, despite that last comment about myself. That's self-deprecation. That's why comedy is ass and trash, because it's all about. Uh, shitting on a thing and not lifting things right anyway uh but, but but why am i even here oh yes i'm here to review dynamite uh the guys recorded yesterday well wednesday i could not they did not watch dynamite in time to review it i 
did. I got to watch Dynamite, so I am going to review that for you. It's like, do I give you Tony Khan jokes? Do I give you Sid jokes? Did they, did the guys? I'm sure, right? They did. Were they good? I hope so. Robert, I am sure Robert went bananas on Tony. I'm assuming Robert was very harsh on Tony. Uh, yeah. Very, uh, you're a millionaire who could be a billionaire. You know why you're not a billionaire? Because you didn't, you didn't like my WWE MLW resume, Tony. That's why you're not a billionaire. <laughs> Tony Khan. Okay, so there's like a bright side, right? Which is he loves wrestling. It's hard, right? And and he was he's good at booking. Like not not lately, not not so much. There's still good booking, or I don't know, or maybe he's good at letting certain people have creative freedom. I don't I don't know what he's what he's good at, but I know Dynamite has been the best wrestling show since it's started. It's been the best wrestling show on American television weekly, right? Um, the pay-per-views have been great. They've been able to make some stars. And I, again, I don't know how much of that is the wrestlers or Tony, you know, it's just he's got money and that's sweet. Like money's sick when when a dude likes to party. Right, gang? We don't know that that's two things these listeners and myself included do not know about is partying and money. Uh, but we do know we do know about being wrestling fans and Tony is a wrestling fan. And so, you know, to a lot of wrestling fans, they go, oh, if I had a bunch of money, this is something I, I'd want to do. Does it give you the right to do that? Should you should you be someone who came up in the business or someone who started in the business in like a more grassroots way, you know, work your way up. Right. I mean, Cornette was a photographer. Heyman was a photographer. That's like, I think photographers are like, are like wrestling's version of like, like, like church's altar boys, you know, like all the photographers get um, assaulted and then become freak wrestling fanatics, you know? anyway um so yeah tony khan yeah bright's bright side i don't know he's you know he pay he pays the boys lots of monies to do cool things i love i love what he's done with incorporating new japan i know it doesn't it doesn't hit hard for some people who watch it and they go who the fuck is this guy that came out but i do love that he loves wrestling enough to to kind of let his company suffer sometimes. Like if you're talking about as a human being, you go, okay, that's cool. Like as a businessman, maybe not the smartest, but some of his decisions are cool in terms of like, wow, he must really be passionate about pro wrestling. It's it, it becomes confusing at times because it, it does seem a little naive and immature. Um, but goddamn, does it satisfy fans often, right? Now, like the negatives are, he, I think he's like a, probably a cokehead. Am I allowed to say that? But I don't mean like sometimes cokeheads rule. That's a positive. You go, who, Gary? Oh, here's a positive. He does coke. And that's the only positive thing about him is when he's on coke, he rules. But I think Tony is like, uh, okay, no, no, no. Here's what I mean. And I don't mean he's a cokehead. Let's, let's start over. What's no, who said that? That's slander. What I, Robert, help me out here. <laughs> I wish I could tag you in. What's, am I legally, can I call him a coach? He, 
he suffers from lack of sleep. That's what I'll say. I believe Tony Khan suffers from lack of sleep. And that is my low spot about him. Um, yeah, him and him and Sid, you know, Sid, him and Sid are a lot alike because they we've we roasted Sid this week, too. Why? 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 OK, anyway, um, but Sid is like because you can tell there's something there's something very carny about both of them and they didn't have to be carny. Sid is like a, an attractive man in a time where he could have made other decisions, right? Am I giving Sid too much credit? I think the reason Tony and Sid like they I think they're bonded is because they've made enough wrestle crap. You know, like Sid is so good at making what that first year of Dark Order was, you know, like that's a Sid storyline. Um, there's things that I love about a QT Marshall that is that is Sid like. It's um, it's clumsiness. It's buffoonery, you know. But he shows the fuck up, and he's dope, and it's fun. It's like Sid is fun. Sid was always fun, and, and I don't know enough about about him, you know. Um, am I supposed to do jokes? I don't want to do jokes about about these guys. No. Right, I'll give you like one of each and then let me do the dynamite review and then let me go. Let you go. Is this torture for you guys? Are you guys still listening? Okay. Wow, you're just rambling. What happens is when you do a podcast alone, you sound like you 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 think you're you convince yourself you're losing your mind because you're talking to no one. This sucks. Okay, here we go. God damn. Join the $10 tier for Dan and Robert's solo stuff just just because this is torture. Just pay them because they're essentially waterboarding themselves. Um, yikes, yikes, yikes. Tony Khan, he's like, a, he's like Professor X. If the X was where his dad signs his name on checks. Is that funny? Oh, God. You know. I don't I don't want to I don't want to read any of these. Uh Tony Khan is Rick Moranis in Daddy I Shrunk the Bank Account. Ah? Whew, it's empty. I feel an echo. I hear my jokes bouncing off of the silence. Uh Sid looks like Goldilocks fucked the three bears. <laughs> that's that's how you get Sid. Is if gold, you know, on account of his hair and his, you know, how big he is and stuff. Okay, we're done here. I'm not doing any more of that. Let's do a Dynamite review. Uh, the thing about Dynamite is, was it controversial? Hmm. I think one match had had its moments, but I, I hope mature people would would agree that is... Pro well, let's just get to it. Okay. Let me bring up these Dynamite results. Okay, the show started with William Regal uh, explaining himself, right? That's what the, the segment was called, except he, like, didn't. Like it didn't happen, you know. And then Moxley showed up, and he was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you." And then Danielson was like, "No, don't get him." And then they do that for way too long because wrestling always does that. It it always like lasts like forty seconds too long, and so it's just like uncomfortably like, "No, don't do it," because he taught me how to love my father, which like is cool, right? Like it, this is actually I think would have been a good segment. If it if it wasn't that Chicago is like a fun ass crowd. And so Chicago's just like lame. 
boom and he's just like they're trying to convey a serious moment and um and no offense when i say this this is chicago saying that chicago was like gay like that's what it felt like it felt like this segment w- could have been good but chicago was like pause what are we doing we trying to get emotional danielson it was and i know that's another accent but i don't know how people let from chicago talk cuz i don't i do i maybe they don't have an accent i don't know they're not, they're not cool enough to have an accent. They're dumb enough. I don't know. I don't know what accents come from. Anyway, um, where were we? So yeah, this segment was 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 it was a bit of a fail. I mean, I think especially because people wanted to see Max, right? He just won the title. And you you gotta show your biggest heel in Chicago, like the, this this the biggest wrestling city. And you got to see what he does with them. And I understand he has a movie to shoot, but then maybe film something. Maybe I know it gets him heat and that works. And I also know, like, listen, this dynamite is on the the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, the night before Thanksgiving. And so you don't um like cool people are at bars, you know, like everybody watching wrestling. Like you shouldn't be wrestling, watching wrestling. That's what I'm saying. And so. You know, maybe you go, oh, we can afford to have MJ off off a week because people will be out at bars and we're not going to get a great rating anyway. But I don't know if that's smart because the fans that do tune in get bummed out and they go and then you give us this like Maury Povich confusing story. I don't know what happened. Oh, and then and then Moxie was like, he did the. He did the fucking thing that Simba did to uh or or you know Scar did it to Simba, but then Simba did it to Scar, right? He's like, run, go go run far away from here. Like just stole it from the Lion King, which I love because the Lion King's the shit. But uh I thought that was funny. And then some people are like, Oh, is that writing off Regal? I don't know. If it is, that's insane and boo, 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 boo. But I think this is um I think this is gonna lead to to maybe maybe Danielson um, also aligning with Regal. I don't know. I don't know. It's not you know. It ain't it ain't the best. Okay, what was next? Here we go. Um, bah, bah, bah. Okay, Orange Cassidy versus Jake Hager. Guys, this Hager. Remember remember um, when when the, the the like a big thing that the inner circle did when AEW first started was Jericho cut that promo and uh, or and you know Hager was there and the crowd was going we the people or whatever the fuck the chant is and he was like that's bad that's a bad creative or whatever that's a bad gimmick from bad creative or dumb you know whatever um this is bad this is a bad gimmick from bad creative this hat thing it's bad and like the I'm telling you the only reason we do because I do enjoy it a little bit it's the same reason like you giggle in high school at things you're not supposed to giggle at. It's because there's something obviously wrong with Jake Hager. He can't like, he can't even say I like this hat without bombing his dick off. And that's funny. And so it's funny to watch a guy not be able to say a few words. That's hilarious, but it's not good wrestling. It's just like, it's just a dumb guy, but you know, that's kind of funny. I appreciate it enough. Hey, throw a dumb guy on TV. You know, whatever. Cassidy rules. No one can is allowed to complain about Orange Cassidy. He's good for business. But no, there's no reason to have this match happen. Um, Julia Hart showing up. You know, the problem is it with 
I, I love House of Black cleaning house, right? Um, they beat the shit out of everybody, and it was a lot of guys, and they did look cool doing it. But it's like it's it's guys you're not really crazy about, you know? Or I don't know. I, I like these guys, but it's guys that you go, yeah, I think a lot of people could beat up this group of 10 men. I think a lot of teams of three could beat up this group of 10 men. And then Ricky Starks versus Ethan Page, the right thing happened, you know, but is the right thing having MJF's first feud be versus Ricky Starks? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I need to, I need, I need Robert to talk to me. I need Mike to say something. Dan, what do you think? Zach, I'm sorry I'm going long. And you're wondering, where the fuck is this? What why how why is he still recording? All he had to do was say some jokes and um and review dynamite. I I apologize to everybody. Well, anyway, that Starks page thing was a uh was a C. <laughs> but anyway, now we get to the best of seven series, right? Now some people are complaining. They go best of seven series. That's a waste of time. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It's just going to be the same match every time. No, it isn't. You're bad at paying attention. I'm bad at paying attention. They the moves are so constant. You're bad at paying attention. That's why you like the match so much. No, you're not paying attention. These matches rule. It was the, the tr Death Triangle versus the Elite was the best match of the pay-per-view. It was the best thing on Dynamite. They're all great. All six of them. They just are. Get over it. Why is it a best of seven series? Well, I mean... It builds the titles. It does. And you're going, no, it doesn't. Again, on the last two AEW shows, this match has been the best thing of those two shows, right? Now you're going, well, those things weren't that great. The pay-per-view was the fucking shit. It's one of the best of the year. And they were great at it. And this match told a really fun story, right? Well, let's get to like, we'll get to the crowd after we should be talking about the, I should only be talking about the crowd. But, Let's just talk about like how the elite can technically come out and kind of act like heels because uh, Death Triangle cheated on, on Saturday, right? So they could. They could try to one-up them. But anyway, I just love that the fucking elite came out and got, got booed so violently. Fuck the elite chance. And uh, they took it and they, they ran with it. Like they went too far. Like people were so angry on the internet about this. And I just enjoyed it so much because it reminded me that no matter what anybody says, uh, these three guys are pro wrestlers. And this is something that pro wrestlers get to do when they have put themselves in the position to be completely free. They walked out there, there and they were allowed to make the call on how they were going to adapt to whatever that crowd gave to them. They are three of the, they're the three most professionally wrestling professional wrestlers in the world right now in that they are, they answer to no one, I think. I, I mean, it, it does not seem that they answer to Tony Khan uh, the way that they, they conducted themselves in this match. Unless, unless Punk is coming back, which a lot of people are also saying, right? They're saying that CM Punk, that, that this match confirms that CM Punk is coming back, which is also like, hell yeah, awesome. I fucking hope. I miss him. He had the best feud of the year. Bring him back. 
make this a, a, a real feud. This match was so fun. The moments were hilarious, dude. Um, Matt Jackson failing at the buckshot lariat. Kenny biting Pac. Kenny doing um, the, the, the go to sleep. And then he thanked Kenta because it's Kenta's finisher. He thanked Kenta for it on Twitter and was like, Bullet Club for life, right? Good times, good times, good times. Uh, the matches are going to get more intricate. They're going to get more fun. Maybe one match will go super short. Um, maybe not. But I'm telling you, it it it's going to be interesting. And they have been telling a story in this match, you know, uh, not just between the elite, you know, amongst the elite, but with Death Triangle. Well, obviously with Death Triangle. And uh, it seems like they'll eventually possibly be breaking up, right? At when this feud is over. Um, you also, you know, the Bucks and Kenny have been out of the ring for a few months. And Kenny, God, he's been out of the ring for a year now, if you think about it. His return was so short. That being able to get in the ring with the same three guys that you trust for seven weeks in a row, if this goes seven, it also gets to, like, build you up in a way um, in ring that is, like, actually very safe and smart, even though what they do is risky and crazy and fun. Anyway, I'm going to stop stroking them on Thanksgiving. Again, sorry, Zach, I'm going long. Um, next thing was Willow Nightingale and Sky Blue versus Tay J versus Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. Um, what? Yeah, I don't know. I love Willow Nightingale, man. I think she's a star. I am, uh, I'm really glad that Jamie Hayter is the champion, actually. Uh, uh, the corrections that they made, some people are complaining about them, right? That, um, that Tony Storms, um, she no longer was the interim. She's officially was the champ, and Thunder Rosa's giving up her title, and blah blah blah. Now Jamie Hayter's the official champion. Um, yeah, it's like you kind of have to announce that when shit gets messy. They announce it. Let's move on. Let's correct the division. Hopefully, you can with you know Hayter and Nightingale, and um, you know the Britt Baker and Page story was good on uh, on the pay per view. Not, I mean, I don't think the match buildup was good, but the, I thought the match was. It was something. I don't know. The division is the best it's been. Is that fair to say? Ugh. All right, let's keep it going. Um, da, 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 da. Oh, okay, main event. If I missed anything, I was rushing. Oh, FTR backstage. Bum me out, man. Please put these guys on television every week in a ring wrestling, getting six, six, six sweet, sweet pops. Um, okay, main event. Ishii versus Chris Jericho. Yeah, man, this uh, it was a good match. It's just again that Ring of Honor shit main eventing. It's it's not right. It's 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 not, it's not, it's not right. Who cares? It's wrestling, but it's um, it's just a bummer. I go, I don't want to see a Ring of Honor main event. I feel like that happens every single freaking week, man. And I love Ishii and I like Jericho a lot. And Ishii made Jericho's chest bleed. There was like some really cool moments. Ishii sold like hell. But it was just like, dude, it's not what I wanted to see. And that's crazy. I'm a fucking huge New Japan fan. But I just think like it was fun. And now there just needs to be more focus on AEW and, and, and AEW titles. I'm sorry I'm saying that. I, I guess I just mean for the show. Maybe fuck them, dude. I'm Team New Japan. Ishii main event? Hell yeah. Let's do it, dude. And that's also... Let's end this right now because my high spot of the week was New Japan-related, um, obviously. Kenny Omega uh, after Will Ospreay 
beat uh i believe showed yeah showed umino uh he was like you know he, that guy that speaks for him was like no who can beat we'll all spray Blah. and then uh Ken, and then you know the lights go out and there's a video of kenny omega he cuts this awesome awesome promo in japanese uh basically you know call, calling will a virus like comparing him to covid and that's why people are quiet and da, 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 there's way more to it it's so good then will cuts a hell of a promo in the ring and backstage uh will has been on fire on twitter kenny uh said some awesome awesome lines in his sports illustrated interview about the feud this feud fucking rules i pray to goodness will osprey somehow interferes in one of the uh best of seven series I, I and maybe that, that'll take away from the series too much but uh just these guys fighting at wrestle kingdom high spot of of this year that it's going to be happening and next year that it's happening because it's happening january 4th that's going to be who what a match that's going to be i'm excited okay guys well high spot low spot no low spot baby i'm thankful mike's got a baby dan's dan's got a wife that loves him and Robert's got a loving thing. You know, we all got good things. I got I got great things. They're sleeping in the other room. And I uh I'm out, man. Zach, thank you so much. Uh underrated hero of the show. Most thankful for you, honestly. To have to just sit here and listen to our bullshit and not chime in um and edit and record madness. So thank you and keep that in and wash your hands. You pervs. Peace.